Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We are in a series entitled Resilient. And this series is all about going through the six major areas of your life. We call them pillars. Pillars are something that can withstand much weight. And we, the first two weeks of the series, talked about the spiritual pillar of your life. Last week, we started talking about the physical pillar of your life. And we took an assessment at the beginning of the message. And I want to show you the results of the message so that as we go into this message on how to steward your physical body, you'll understand why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Because the results let us know that nearly two-thirds of our church would say they're getting a D or worse in the physical part of their life. Doesn't make us bad. I actually love it. I, I, this is how I look at an assessment like this. Look at all the good we've been able to do. Not in very good shape. Like, can you even imagine? You know what, what studies have shown? That a loss of 10 pounds is the equivalent of increasing your energy capacity by 30%. Look at what we've been able to do. Carrying heavy bricks in our backpacks. Imagine what we might be able to do with a little bit more energy to take the hill. This message is going to be extremely practical because it needs to be. And I, if you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to 3 John, the book of 3 John, and then you can put a marker in 1 Kings 19. We'll start in 3 John, we'll end in 1 Kings 19. While you're turning there, let me just say this message has a decent amount of science in it. There's a lot of scripture, but there's also a good amount of science. And let me just say, as I studied all week this week for this particular message, and, and I'm teaching far more than I'm preaching this message. And remember my rule, you preach when they know, you teach when they don't. So there's, this is teaching. This is not preaching, okay? So if you want to be stirred up emotionally, sorry, I'm, I'm going to bring a lot of facts, a lot of scripture, a lot of science. But here's one of the things I, I found as I studied a ton this week for this message. Scientists are getting credit for finding what God formed and fashioned. It's like this really big deal out there. The scientists are being praised. Doctors are being praised for finding things they had nothing to do with. That God intentionally fashion the human body to do. So I want you to know, I'm not giving any scientists or doctors credit. We need doctors and scientists and they help us understand some things, but make no mistake, I worship the God responsible for creating the human body. I don't worship at the feet of the secular and say, oh, congratulations, you found something. Yeah, you, you might've found something but you didn't form it or fashion it. So just understand when, if, if a part of you is rubbed the wrong way by so much science and fact, I'm not trying to rub you the wrong way, all right? As I was studying for this, 
and, and outside of scripture, just reading through a lot of studies by doctors and scientists, there was this moment where I felt like the Lord just kind of sarcastically, I don't know if he does this with you, it was quite confident. I felt like he goes, Preston, I've been talking about the health of the human body since I made it. I just thought, okay, this is how we start this message. Your health, your physical health matters greatly to God. Third John, verse two, John the beloved is writing to Gaius and he says, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. I want you just to think about that for a second. This is, in a sense, a blessing as a greeting. I hope everything's going well for you. Some translations say, I hope you're prospering in all things. And then John the Beloved says, and I pray, I hope that you are as healthy in your physical body as you are strong spiritually. We started this series with the spiritual pillar. And the church for many, many years has fixated and focused on the spiritual aspect of life. And it's very important. But please hear me. That does not mean your physical health doesn't matter in God's divine equation for your life. Here's another way to say it. If you aren't healthy physically, it's just going to be harder to be healthy spiritually. And I want you to know, some of you, and I could feel it on Thursday night when I preach this, I, I could feel a little bit of uh, not just angst, but at times a touch of anger towards me. Uh, remember, I'm just the mail carrier, okay? Don't be the dog that bites my leg, all right? I, I'm sharing this with you because I love you. But not just that, it's even more selfish than that. You matter in God's equation for what he wants to do on the earth in this day. You matter big time. And as the pastor of this church, I'm gonna shoot dead straight with you. I and we cannot afford to have you on the bench with everything that's going on in the earth right now. I can't, we can't. This isn't about having enough children's volunteers in the children's classrooms. This is about every believer in Jesus having the energy they need to take their place. In the church abroad, capital C, around this country, volunteer numbers are lower than they've been in my lifetime. And the number one thing we're all hearing is I just don't have the energy. Okay. How can the bride ever fully be the bride if what makes up the bride never takes their place? See, if I were your enemy, I would try and stop the bride by stealing her energy. And so we're going to talk about three very important things that God created your body to need. And that's the title of this message. Your body has needs. Your body has needs. Just like my truck has needs. It needs fuel. It needs oil. Your body, God created your body to have needs. You can either choose to pay attention to them and steward them, or you can choose to be ignorant of them. But let me just say, 
whenever I am ignorant of my body's needs, my body always punishes me. And if you choose to be ignorant of your body's needs, the, the needs God created your body to have, I assure you, in some way, shape, or form, your body is going to punish you for it. So let's talk about these three things. First, sleep. God created your body to need sleep. And all the nappers said, amen. <laughs> sleep. I think as adults, we think that, that one of the ways to get ahead in life is to cheat your sleep. Well, what's the saying? The early bird gets the worm. It does. But the early bird can't find the worm if the early bird doesn't go to bed early enough to get good sleep. That's what it should really say. But it's almost like we've rewarded humanity for robbing themselves of sleep. But God created your body to need it. Let me just show you a few of the benefits of sleep. Sleep increases your memory. Anybody ever forgotten where the keys are? Just go take a nap. You'll find the keys when you wake up, apparently. Sleep increases metabolism. Anybody like to burn fat the easy way? Sleep. Sleep decreases moodiness. Anybody in a relationship with a highly moody individual? Tell them to take a nap. Sleep increases immune function. In other words, helps you fight sickness. Sleep increases heart health. God created sleep to be a good thing. And, and don't laugh at this, but there was a study done uh, on rats. And one of the things they learned in this study was that rats were just as likely to die just as quickly from a lack of sleep as they were from a lack of food. I want you to think about that for a second. Most of us don't see sleep as important as food. We think it's one of the easiest and biggest areas where we can cheat and get away with it. That's not true at all. And here's something else you need to understand. God cares deeply about your deep sleep. Let me show you a couple of passages. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Interesting. God, speaking to people who make him their refuge, says, your sleep's going to be sweet. In other words, I, I care about the quality of your sleep. Psalm 127 verse 2, it is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For God gives to his beloved sleep. God cares about your sleep. And some of God's best work is done while you sleep. I personally think one of the reasons that some of God's best work is done while I'm asleep is because my brain is out of his way. I get in his way from time to time. He wants to do something and I over-rationalize and overthink. I think sometimes he just says, kid, go to bed. I got work to do. I've got work to do in the church. I've got work to do in your family. I've got work to do in your marriage. Go to sleep. Think about it. One of Adam's favorite things God ever did happened when Adam 
was in a deep sleep. I'll show it to you. Genesis 2, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man, Adam, to fall into a deep sleep. In other words, God knocked him out. Watch what he does. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And what happened? God created woman. God did a deep work in man while man was in deep sleep. Without deep sleep, studies show that you are more likely to get sick, more likely to feel depressed, and more likely to gain an unhealthy amount of weight. Anybody feel like taking a nap right now? <laughs> Let's show you one more passage of scripture because there's a, there's a moment, kind of a famous moment in the gospels where Jesus is asleep. And we don't see too many passages about Jesus sleeping, especially midday. But there's one such moment in Matthew chapter eight where Jesus is on the boat with his disciples, remember? And the storm rages up. I'll show it to you. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. Of course, we know Jesus calms the storm and then they get to shore and what happens next? Scripture says that there were two demoniacs who were so incredibly possessed by demons that no one, the, uh, the New King James Version says that they were exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. I want you just to think about this. I, I've never read Matthew 8 and put sleep together with the storm and the spiritual warfare. Remember, the, the two demoniacs, when Jesus casts out the demons, this is the story where he casts them out into the pigs, right? Before Jesus encounters the storm and calms it, which you know took some energy, and before Jesus came up against the demoniacs who were so possessed that no one could pass by, what was Jesus doing? Taking a nap. Here's the one-liner. Sleep is necessary preparation for the storms of life and the warfare of the kingdom. People, take a nap. Get your sleep. For adults, seven to eight hours. For teenagers, they say nine to ten. Stop yelling at your kids for sleeping in. Just help them get to bed a little bit earlier. God created our bodies to need sleep. We run on it. Now, as we transition to point number two, what if I told you there was a pill that if you took this pill every day, the following things would happen? The pill would lead to a, a longer and happier life. The pill would make you stronger. The pill would increase your energy levels. The pill would increase your brain function. The pill would increase your mood, improve your mood. This pill outperforms every other pill in increasing overall markers of health in every area. Would you be interested in what kind of pill this was. 
Hopefully the answer is yes. Here's point number two. That pill, I'm gonna call it movement rather than exercise. Because some of us have an unhealthy relationship with exercise. We've tried it, it doesn't work. And part of the reason is because we define exercise as going to the gym and bench pressing 400 pounds and squatting 400 pounds. And here's what I would say. That's pretty specific and that might work in some seasons. But here's what you need to remember. God created your body to need movement consistently. And God created your body for some things to happen in your body when you move, when you experience some exercise, even walking around the neighborhood, in whatever season of life, finding what movement works for you. God created your body to experience some incredible benefits as a result of movement. Connecting point number one to point number two, Proverbs 20 verse 13 says, do not love sleep. In other words, don't go too far with sleep lest you come to poverty. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 12 takes it even further and says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Here's what that means. God created sleep to be earned. Sleep isn't something we just give ourselves. Sleep is something we work towards. God created it to work that way. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a verse I've heard used, kind of like we talked about last week, where the church has focused on the inside at the expense of the outside. They've said the outside doesn't matter only on the inside. In the same way, it's like the church has fixated on godliness, which is very important but at the expense of physical exercise. And Paul says, hey, let's get something straight. Physical exercise is of profit. Now, if we were to compare it eternally with spiritual exercise, well, of course, spiritual exercise is going to win out, but that doesn't mean physical exercise is not important. I'm gonna make a statement that some of you um, at first glance, you might, you might struggle with this a little bit, but let's kind of walk it out. Movement or exercise is one of God's greatest hacks for happiness. Movement is one of God's greatest hacks for happiness. President, that doesn't seem spiritual, I assure you. It's not just spiritual, it's scientific. God made your body to experience some incredible benefits when you move. Let's talk about a few hormones. I'm not going to go too deep down into this cave, but let's just talk about three important hormones to your body. First, endorphins. Endorphins reduce your perception of pain and stress. We've got a lot of stress and a lot of pain going on. God created endorphins to be inside of your body and be produced by certain things that you do with your body so that your perception of pain and stress is stronger and and the, the mountain is smaller. That's what endorphins do. Dopamine. Dopamine plays a role in how we feel pleasure. 
Pleasure's not a bad thing. God created us to experience pleasure. And dopamine is the hormone, one of the biggest hormones, that plays a role in how we feel pleasure. Serotonin. Serotonin plays a role in mood stability. God created certain things to be produced in your body, like serotonin, that help you feel more in control of your mood. Just look around. No, I think that's one of the things we see a lot of right now is there's a lack of self-control in the area of mood. There's a ton of moodiness, a ton of over-emotionalizing. I feel it, I'm going to do it. I feel it, I'm going to say it. Really, another way to say it is you're out of control of your emotions. You can't stop yourself from being beholden to your mood. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I feel that way, it's dangerous. I can hurt people when I get into that place. But God created serotonin to be produced in my body to help me stay in control of my mood. Well, let's talk about what happens when you exercise. Endorphins are released. Here's what that means. You don't just get physically stronger when you work out. You get mentally stronger. When was the last time you, you went to go move around the neighborhood, at the gym, at a class, to help strengthen your brain? You don't just get physically stronger, you get mentally stronger. Serotonin is produced by exercise. This is the same hormone targeted by antidepressants. Think about that. And God created your body to produce it naturally when you move when you exercise. What does that mean? When you work out, you don't just get physically stronger, you get emotionally stronger. I've told my wife plenty of times before in the past, hey, if I ever seem like I'm getting into a darker place, tell me to go to the gym. And some of you might think, oh, that's so sacrilegious, Preston. You're the senior pastor. I thought you were gonna say, tell me to go in my prayer closet. I spend enough time in my prayer closet. Sometimes I just need to go to the gym and get these hormones moving, producing in my body to help me do what I need to do throughout my day. The way I'd say it is, for me, going to the gym is like cheating. Then dopamine is produced. That means you don't just get emotionally happier when you move but you're also motivated to do it even more. Dopamine plays a role in our motivation, our level of motivation. That means the more I move, the easier it gets because my body is saying, this is good, we need this, we want this, and we're doing better because of it. Give us more. God created your body to work like that. Here's what this means. A healthy person doesn't go to the gym to look better. A healthy person goes to the gym to feel better. This is why when I go to my gym, I, I love seeing people that look like they haven't been to the gym in a couple of decades. Of course, I, I go to a gym, it's 10 bucks a month, and so there's a lot of young people there, and I, I, Brad and I just ran into each other. We run into each other at the gym all the time. We were there yesterday morning, and, and I know we saw all of the same things. You see a bunch of these young people in front of the mirrors doing stuff like this. 
I'm the, literally there's a guy with like a cutout shirt. He was cut, probably about 25, huge. I mean, hulkingly huge. And he, he was literally like, and I'm like off to the side, like, I'm, I'm not flexing in front of the mirror. And then there were other people who were in a different season of life whom everybody else probably would have said they're not healthy. And those are the people on the inside I'm celebrating the most. Because you don't go to the gym so you can do this. You go to the gym so you can do this. Revelational, isn't it? A healthy person goes to the gym to feel better. Not to look better. Of course, that's not a bad thing. I'm not... I'm not saying it's inherently bad. I'm just saying God created your body to feel better when you move, not just look better. If exercise were a pill, it would be the single most prescribed and most valuable medicine on the earth. And it's free. You don't need the pharmacist for it. You just need to move. And here's what I hate when I talk about stuff like this in the church. It, it's the very people I really want to hear this are the ones that are, are, are possibly going, I'm so bad. I'm so out of shape. No, again, please hear my heart. And I believe God's heart too. Look at what you've been able to do all these years. And maybe you haven't stewarded your physical health as well as you could have. Can you imagine in this season of your life, and I'm especially speaking to the oaks who may have a, a few more rings in their bark. We need you in the house of the Lord more than ever before. I'm not trying to get you to look like something. I'm trying to get you to feel better than you've ever felt because I don't know who's gonna be sitting next to you next week who might say, hey, can we go to lunch? And you may have to battle through some things because God's hands on their life, but they're experiencing a measure of warfare, but you're exhausted. And if you don't have the bandwidth or the energy to fight with them, they stand the chance of losing. And so do you. I, I make no bones about it. I'm gonna start saying this more. I've never said this before publicly. By the time I die, Lord willing, many, many years from now, I want to pastor the healthiest church in this country. I don't care how big it is. I want God to look at it and say, that is the healthiest church in this day, in this country. Because I believe the call in your life is that important. It's not a me thing. It's a you thing. God brought us together. And maybe the only reason God put me with you and you with me was so that every once in a while, I could just cheer you on and say, hey, you're doing great, but you're so close to breaking through that ceiling in this area of your life. Let's bust that ceiling and let's go take the hill for the kingdom of God. Point number three, we'll finish with this, food. Food. So to connect point number two to point number three, just like I connected point number one to point number two, Instead of a scripture, here's a one-liner to point to connect exercise and food. You can't outrun your fork. <laughs> you can't. 
okay? Like, like e- e- this, this whole thing, I'll just run it off. I used to think that way. And when I had an incredibly fast metabolism and I could eat four double cheeseburgers from Burger King without feeling an ounce of pain. Listen, I can't do it anymore. I can't run it off. And most of us can't either. So what does that mean? It means we need to take a look at our relationship with food. Now, there are three things I want to share. I don't have enough time, so I cut out fasting. I might do a a little online teaching on that because I I really do. I think intermittent fasting is a really healthy thing that God created the human body to use. And here's one of the ways you know. Nobody eats while they sleep. Whether you realize it or not, you get eight hours of sleep a night, you're intermittent fasting those eight hours. And, And let me just say, fasting isn't starving yourself. It's simply what happens between meals. Okay? But I can't, I can't teach on that today. First uh, Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Have you ever thought about the fact that Scripture says, the way you eat and what you eat was created by God to be something you do for the glory of God? It's a big thought. Here's another way to say it. Food is an incredible gift, but a terrible God. Food was meant to be eaten for the glory of God, not to be worshiped like a God. here's, Here's what we need to be really mindful of. Food does some crazy stuff to our bodies, good and bad. And I didn't always understand it until I started studying a little bit more. And I'm gonna continue to study it as I get older. Because this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be obsessive or legalistic. I just want to be a good steward. And that leads us to the first of the two things we really need to talk about. Food as fun. Food was meant to be a part of celebration. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy. For those of you who love glycemic carbohydrates, there's a verse in the Bible for it. Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved what you do. When Holly and I, oftentimes when we have a big moment in our marriage or in our family or one of us personally, oftentimes we go celebrate with food. If it's in our marriage, we go to her favorite steak restaurant. She's a steak and potato girls, a girl. Girls, I'm not married to multiple people. <laughs> Just want to get that out there. Because I'm on record saying Solomon's my hero. I'm not taking him literally, okay? We go to her favorite steak restaurant. We celebrate with food. It's not bad, okay? It's just meant to have boundaries. Proverbs 25 verse 16 helps us understand this. Do you like honey? Anybody say yes to that? Anybody like sugar? Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. I want to be really careful with this. But I'm going to, I'm going to sweetly submit to you. I think it's entirely possible. If there were a verse in the Bible for type 2 diabetes, this is it. This is it. And understand that that's not just sugar, sugar. Too much 
glycemic carbohydrates, breads, you can just see it that way, too much bread, my body turns into glucose, like sugar. And if I have an overabundance of that glucose, my body doesn't know what to do with it. That's why people are getting insulin shots in droves. I want to be really careful. And I, I, I say, I'm not a doctor, but I am trying to tell you, if you struggle in this area, your diet plays a more powerful role than you think. I'm not talking about how bad your diet has been. I'm talking about if you were to make a couple of tweaks. I promise you, it's going to have some positive effects in your body. And notice, point number three isn't diet, it's food. Just like point number two was movement, not exercise, some of us have a very unhealthy relationship with the word diet. It's something we only do in January that doesn't even last to February. God, I don't want you to go on a diet. I want you to be a good steward of food. And scripture talks about excess, the overconsumption. There's a point where continuing to eat no longer serves me and my goals. That's, that's how good stewardship with food thinks. There's a point, there's a line of demarcation where eating anymore no longer serves me or my goals. Here's another way to say it. Why would I keep eating if doing so would make being me even harder? I love, you know it, I make jokes about it all the time. I love me some Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream. But too much of it? Is it worth what it does to me? Something we all need to think about. That's what stewardship, how stewardship processes. I'll be very specific. Sugar produces dopamine. This is one of the reasons our bodies love it. It gives us a dopamine hit, that feel-good hormone that's produced, that affects how we feel and process pleasure. So we get sugar, we get a dopamine spike. More specifically, it creates receptors for dopamine. And here's what's kind of dangerous about an overconsumption of sugar. The more dopamines I, I get as a result of sugar, the more receptors to that dopamine I'm creating, which means to get the same dopamine hit tomorrow from sugar, I'm going to have to consume more sugar to get the same hit I got today. That's why it's almost an insatiable appetite for sugar. And now I'm about to give you some really bad news for some of you. I don't know if you've ever looked on the back of a box that breaks down the percentages. You see sodium, you see fats. You know, when you, when you look at a box of processed food, have you ever noticed that there's no percentage next to sugar? Added sugars, yes. Total sugars, no. Have you ever wondered why? I don't want to get into the land of conspiracy theories, okay? But I just want to give you a thought. Is it possible that if everybody knew how little sugar the body needs to stay healthy and where that line is, that everybody would consume a lot less of what is made in our day in the area of processed food? I think it's possible. Here's, here's the fact. Our bodies were meant to run on between 20 and 25 grams of sugar a day. Here's another way to say that. Less than five 
teaspoons. No matter how many grams of sugar a, a Snapple has, don't look. <laughs> You'll be very disappointed. More than a daily allowance. It's awesome that you go to McDonald's and the, the extra, extra large drink is a dollar. Except that it's like 82 grams of sugar if it's Coke. Studies show that a Coke a day will add between 10 and 12 pounds a year to your body. I'm not saying you're bad if you drink Coke. You used to drink it all the time. What I'm saying is, where's the line and is it worth it? Do you want to keep putting 12 extra pounds of bricks in life's backpack to keep climbing the hill that God's called you to take in your lifetime? Something else too much sugar does. It creates inflammation in the brain. Anybody like to feel stupid? That's, that's essentially neuroinflammation is when my brain gets inflamed. When I consume too much sugar, that's what happens. Just talked to my daughter in college. She has an injury. She hasn't been able to play for a couple weeks. And she, she started eating something. She's not able to work out. She's not able to play, do the things that she loves to do. So she started eating late at night and eating some things. And she said, Daddy, I'm, I'm just not feeling sharp. So yeah, that's what happens. We get a little foggy. And it affects a part of our brain, the hippocamus, that is in part responsible for helping me process feelings of hunger. So when my hippocamus is inflamed, it sends messages to my gut, you are hungry even though you still just ate. So eat again. Too much sugar can do that. I'm just trying to help you understand that it's... It's just not as clear as you might think. Oh, I'll just have a little more sugar and I'll run it off. No, too much does some things to my body that I just need to make sure I understand. And the way we really uh, steward things like sugar or alcohol, Scripture tells us, is with balance rather than excess. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine. In other words, don't drink wine to excess because that will ruin your life. Excess will always ruin our lives. Wine in and of itself isn't inherently bad. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you're sick so often. So Paul was saying, wine isn't inherently bad, son. But I don't know what, what Timothy's stance on alcohol was, but apparently he was having some IBS issues. And Paul said, you need a little bit of wine. Don't just drink water. Drink a little bit of wine. It's going to help with your stomach issues. See, I, I think we just don't think the Bible talks about the body like this. God created it. Jesus died to redeem it. Your body matters to the Father. And here's the other side uh, of food that we have to talk about, food as fuel, and we'll end with this. Good calories are God's provided fuel to help you walk out his call on your life. There was a saying years ago, a calorie is a calorie. 
And that's so not true. Because some calories, as you've learned in this message, can be very damaging to your body. So a calorie isn't just a calorie. There are good calories and there are bad calories. Good calories are a fuel God created your body to run on. So let's talk very briefly about bad calories, processed food. And there's a lot of it in our day. It's, it's cheap to get. I, I, I admit it is more expensive oftentimes to eat healthier than it is to eat in an unhealthy manner. It's designed that way so that it's easier to buy. Processed food is not about the diet, it's about the consumer. I wanna be really careful with this, but think about it like this. If God created the human body to run on processed food, I'm convinced he would have surrounded the Garden of Eden with food processing plants. Think about it. Everybody was living so long. Zero processed food. I'm not saying that's the, the silver bullet. There are obviously other reasons theologically that God did something about. But forget about the prolonging of days. Just focus on the physical health. If God created the human body to run on processed food, he would have made sure there was an abundance of it in that garden to keep man healthy. This is kind of the funny way to say it. There were no labels on the food in the garden. One of the ways to know typically what's healthier is the stuff you can get in the store that doesn't have labels on it, right? First Kings chapter 19, we'll end with this. And this connects to the very first message in this series that was entitled, The Journey is Coming. Elijah has just had the showdown on Mount Carmel. Called fire down from heaven. You talk about a great day. This guy lit it up. And the prophets of Baal too. And then Jezebel threatens him. He's in an exhausted state. He runs for his life. And he's even contemplating suicide. What we would say in our day he was experiencing suicidal ideation. But I want you to see what happens. And this is the whole point of the last two weeks for you. It's actually less about your food and your body and more about your journey. The one that is ahead that I strongly believe is right around the corner. First Kings 19 verse five. Then Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. You talk about fuel. When your food, when my food gives me the energy to make the trek God asked me to go on, 
I've succeeded, you've succeeded. He ate, he drank, and it gave him the fuel he needed to go 40 days and 40 nights journey to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. We're gonna end this message. Uh, you, at the beginning of this series, should have gotten something like this, and I'm sure you're not bringing it with you every week, but there are three categories in this life action plan for each of the six pillar areas of your life. First one, where am I today? Second one, what does this mean? What must I do? And, and that's meant to be over the next 90 days, what can I do to take a step or two towards health in this area of my life? And the third area is 12 months from today. God, where do you see me in this area of my life? And here's what I, I want to do. I want you just to take a few moments in the presence of the Lord. I want you just to close your eyes and I want you to ask him two questions. First, 12 months from now, Lord, where do you see me in this area of my life? Another way to say it, where do you want me to be? Where do you need me to be 12 months from now in the physical area of my life? And then the second question is what can I do or what must I do over the next 90 days before the end of this year to take a, a step towards a more healthy physical life in preparation for the journey that is coming. Just take a few moments and ask God those questions and see what he says. Great news if you're hearing a mean voice, condescending voice, condemning voice. That's not God. He's cheering you on. Doesn't mean he's never firm. Scripture says the Holy Spirit can be grieved, which points to a measure of sensitivity which the Holy Spirit has. And I absolutely believe the Holy Spirit 
deals with sensitive issues like this sensitively. I want to ask you to stand. And as you're standing, I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward. We'd love to pray here. And if you need prayer for anything at all, after I dismiss, you want to come pray with somebody? If it's about the message, great. You need breakthrough? Come pray with somebody. Stand in agreement. Don't stand alone. The enemy loves to go after the one who has isolated. So one of my favorite things about prayer time at the end is it, it's one of the easiest ways to send a message. I'm not doing this alone. I'm in community. I'm in family. It's not going to be easy for you to take me out. Because I'm fighting together. So if you need prayer, come get what you need. No matter what it's for. No matter what area of your life. All right? If we haven't met, we'd love to meet you out in the lobby. We'll say thanks for joining us for everybody online. We pray a blessing over you and we'll... We'll go. God, thank you for giving us these bodies. We know as followers of Jesus, they belong to you, but you have asked us to steward them. So Lord, I pray you would anoint each one of us to steward our physical bodies better than ever. We are going to take a hill many of us have dreamt of for many years. And it's going to require an inordinate amount of energy physically to be able to do so. And Lord, I pray not one person will be left behind. Would you give us an anointing to steward our human bodies? Holy Spirit, this week, would you show us the steps to take to be healthier in our everyday lives? We want to steward this temple you've given us. Lord, bless them. Chase them everywhere they go. Wrap them up in your love as they fall asleep every night and all throughout their day. In Christ's mighty name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.